welcome to episode 28 of the Replatform podcast. Thanks, as always, for, for listening in. Uh, it's myself, James, and I'm joined, as always, by co-host Paul Rogers. How's it going today, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you. A um, little bit tired, a little bit more tired than usual. Um, but yeah, good. How about you? Lockdown fatigue, is it? Yeah, I think it must be. I'm the opposite, mate. I feel even better now I'm real tired, which is amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, nice cycle ride this morning to wake myself up so that I didn't fall asleep, which is good. Um, so we got, we got another interesting uh, episode today. Uh, it's on a platform that I personally haven't had an experience implementing. I know about it, but I don't know enough. That's why we're speaking to the specialist. So we're talking about WooCommerce. Uh, what is it? Where does it fit in the market? Um, what's good about it? What are some of the challenges? And we're joined by two people who know this in, in detail. So first of all, um, we're joined by Kim Leary, who's the CEO of Birmingham-based Scribble Web Design and the chair of Birmingham Tech Week. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? Hi, very good, thank you. Looking forward to, uh, to seeing what we uncover in this call. Yeah, so am I, and thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, and then also uh, with Kim, we've got Luke Carthy, who's an e-commerce growth consultant, um, uh, builder specialising in strategy, conversion and search, and, uh, and also talking, I think I'll add to that. Uh, and his comment to us before we started this was, it could go absolutely AWOL or make sense. So I'm totally intrigued, Luke, as to what you're going to talk about today, mate. But welcome. Oh, yeah. That was a, yeah, interesting intro. So, uh, yeah, it could go anywhere, mate. Um, <laughs> this, could, this could be a mess. It could be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, equally, I am, I am also exhausted uh, up till half one messing around with stuff online. Um, that sounds terrible, but it was genuinely professional. Um, and, yeah, just happy to get into the world of WooCom and see if we can help some people out. Yeah, uh, thanks. I think it's going to be really interesting because having different perspectives, having um, from agency and delivering projects and managing clients and having you um, who, who's worked across different types of businesses from consultancy to in-house, etc. I think those perspectives are going to really be useful in this. So let's, let's crack on and let's start asking you annoying questions. So the first one for me, and I guess for people listening who haven't come across or used WooCommerce before, is let's do the basics. What is WooCommerce? So how do you describe it as a platform? What type of platform? Where does it sit in the vendor marketplace? Um, so WooCommerce is a, a plugin essentially for WordPress. Um, WordPress and WooCommerce are both open source, um, built on PHP, uh, really easy to integrate. WordPress is famous for its five minute install. Um, and it's been going, I think, since WooCommerce since 2011. Um, so it's, it's, had a fair, it's had a fair kind of go at it now. Um, but yeah, generally it's um, open source. So it means that it's developed by a range of different people. It's free to use. Um, and yeah, generally it's kind of built on being easy. I don't know how to, it's always a thing, isn't it? It's easy for some people and not for, for others. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love the word, but I, I guess the open source bit is an important differentiation here uh, and, and the PHP side. Uh, so Paul, I know you wanted to probe a bit more on what types of business you use this. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I guess um, from your perspective, like which types of businesses are, are kind of suitable for WooCommerce? Are there any like really obvious ones or any that you think might not be suitable for WooCommerce? Yeah, I mean, WooCommerce powers around 33% of the um, world online stores. So it is, it's a massive contender. Um, I did have a little Google to see um, who some of the big companies were that use it. And I don't know if you've heard of the All Blacks rugby merchandise um, yep. <laughs> for me up so so their their site is built on WooCommerce obviously they're huge um, 
but I think it's it's probably favoured by mainly small to medium businesses really um, it's more cost effective to set up um, and it's good I think it's good as a kind of MVP so you can test the market test the products um, and see see how you can interact with it and how you can um, build on on within your kind of e-commerce world um, but generally and certainly from our point of view it does tend to be small to medium companies that, that favor it and do, do you find um that kind of most woocommerce sites are built by agencies or do you find that people kind of build them in-house as well it's a really good question um i think that probably most woocommerce sites will i don't know i think it would probably be 50 50 split I think there will be people who start in WooCommerce and they try and do it themselves and then they get really annoyed and frustrated um, and, and then they come to an agency and say, look, I've done this, I've built it, it's working, but what can I do to make it better? Um, but on the flip side, I mean, us as an agency, we, we love WooCommerce because once it's built and once you've got you know, more of a bespoke design attached to it, it really feels quite unique. It doesn't feel like an out of the box solution. Um, so from that point of view, I think it can be quite powerful. But yeah, I'd say that I'd say it'd be 50-50. We certainly get lots of clients who come to us and say that they've dabbled in it. Um, a dabble, it sounds like it's in the dark arts. <laughs> Have a little dabble with Woo. Um, something down a dark alley on a Friday night. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's approachable, right? It's a platform that you can make mistakes on. It's not necessarily, you know, it's technically free. Um, at the end of the day, you can install WooCommerce without investing a single penny um, to get the basics. So it, it can be a playground. It can just be anyone that kind of starts and says, look, I want to, you know, the cliche, I want to drop ship stuff or I want to start selling t-shirts online, or I've got a stamp collection that I just love. And I want to see if I can build a business there right the way through to, Hey, look, I've got, 10 grand or something to go and spend with an agency to go and build a WooCommerce store, for example, can you help me? So it's, it's kind of your bedroom businesses, right to what Kim said, your SMEs, but then, um, you know, equally there's some enterprise businesses that, that, that lean on it as well. Um, but I think the reason, you know, this is just personal uh, thinking rather than any kind of data or intel I've got on this, but I would personally say the thing that kind of holds an, um, WooCommerce back uh, is it's kind of like this ego, this brand, right? Which is WordPress, WooCommerce, open source, cheap, unapproachable. It's not enterprise. And it absolutely can be. It's just as a brand, it seems to fit the SME audience better than say something like Magento um, or even maybe something like BigCommerce, which is a little bit more towards the middle of both. Um, but it, it's, it's hugely powerful, hugely flexible, and you can within reason do whatever the heck you want with it. I, I guess just a sorry um yeah just a question um just you talked about big commerce there, and i guess like there's been over the last few years there's been a big kind of uh oh, there's been a lot of growth in the SaaS platforms for kind of smbs um like from your perspective kim how have you seen kind of the trajectory of woocommerce like is there still a lot of demand like have you found that there's been a lot more competition from kind of shopify and big commerce uh, yeah, it's a good question. There, there has been, and Shopify is obviously um, is growing, and then I can see lots more shops that are powered by by Shopify and Big Commerce. Um, but I think that WooCommerce has has got the um, advantage in the fact that it's older. Um, I think more people are aware of it. 
uh, which, which means that it tends to be more popular. On the flip side, um, it means that because, because WooCommerce has got this longer history, people are more aware of, of what's gone wrong with it in the past and perhaps security issues. Um, and I think because it is billed as, as free, it does devalue it. And I think people think, well, if it's free, I can do it myself. Therefore, I don't necessarily want to pay somebody. But as we all know, um, WooCommerce is, yes, it's, it's out of the box, but actually I think there still needs to be an expert that knows what they're doing, knows how consumers interact with, with e-com platforms, which is obviously very different to a standard kind of brochure website. Uh, and I think that's definitely the value that agencies and developers bring. Um, but it's always up to the agency to really sell that value and make people aware that there is so much more to just switching it on. The key question I've got, it comes back to a point you made earlier about yeah, basically extension in, into WordPress. So I've always understood it, it is that WooCommerce is used um, off the back of WordPress sites. Is, does that underplay what it is? Like, is WooCommerce used independently of WordPress and quite extensively? Or not at all? It's a good question. I've never seen WooCommerce um, operate on anything other than WordPress because it's a plugin. It hooks straight into the WordPress platform. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know if it would be possible. I don't think it would be, but it's certainly not something I've, I've ever come across unless you've experienced something different. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one because I guess if you look at it technically or holistically, right? So I'm with Kim in the sense that yes, you absolutely need um wordpress to in order to run woocommerce but i don't want people to think of woocommerce as like say an seo plugin for example where someone's just kind of got a uh, a website and they've decided say a year down the line to have woocommerce and then uh, sorry to have e-commerce and then they've just gone away and installed woocommerce as a plugin it's almost like an afterthought um although you need wordpress to build woocommerce on there is absolutely stores out there where the only purpose of that website is purely e-commerce. So it's, yes, it's a plugin. And I guess maybe that kind of as a kind of, as a theory and as a, as what it is, it, it kind of adds a connotation that it's an afterthought or a bolt on or something else, but it is a wholly living independent product. Um, and it can work both ways. You can have it as a, a as a bolt on to an existing website, or you can make it all about an e-commerce environment. Um, but what people have done and what I've seen in the past is, you know, people go down the head, the, the route of headless WooCommerce, um, which is a whole other topic and a whole other subject altogether, but it gives you that flexibility of being able to use a completely separate, you know, front end to a, to an administration panel. Um, so it is what it is you want it to be. And I think sometimes when a platform is, is so massively flexible, it makes it difficult to understand what it is. Um, just like a development language or something like that, it can make it, as, as, as broad or as, or as narrow as whatever you need it to be. Um, I have a question. Um, so slightly uh, tangential, I guess. Um, so you talked about kind of potentially doing a headless project of WooCommerce. Um, and just generally like, on top of some of the things we've talked about, like how does, I guess, like, how does WooCommerce scale, like in terms of things like potentially going headless? So, I mean, kind of what level of APIs are available from WooCommerce and then also um, in terms of things like international and kind of big product catalog like how have you kind of seen many examples of WooCommerce kind of um, in a multi-store environment um, and yeah and kind of just handling large catalogs how have you found it for that kind of those kind of projects? Had to drop the API bomb huh? Right okay um, 
So APIs uh, are interesting. I, I don't have an answer, uh, unless Kim, you do, in terms of the APIs available. But in the second question, in terms of how scalable is it? Um, well, WooCommerce essentially just builds a FOF um, WordPress's structure in terms of posts, pages, and database entries. So just like how a, uh, an international global huge WordPress site with millions of pages uh, exists, then it can be exactly the same with WooCommerce, of course. There's other things to consider rather than just inventory. There's this, you know, speed, performance, hookups, um, what kind of ERP you need to integrate it to and backend integrations and all that sort of good stuff, which is where I guess you start to maybe think about more enterprise level solutions in those sort of spaces. But in terms of pure raw scalability of how many products, how many categories, et cetera, um, then as far as I'm aware, there's no actual upper limit or there's no positioning which says you can only go to this many products before it starts to fall apart. It all runs off of WordPress's um, page and posts um, logic really and how the database works. Yeah, definitely. We get asked this quite a lot. Um, generally, I think it, it comes down to um, how sensibly the platform is set up. So if you've got 20, 30 different plugins, then of course it's going to be slow. If you use a, a theme that's got loads of um, redundant CSS styling code that you don't need, then yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll slow it down. And I think these are, these are kind of the issues that WordPress and WooCommerce in particular get um, kind of tarnished with. And that largely comes down to, dare I say, inexperienced people setting it up and just getting a bit trigger happy, installing those different things and then going, oh, it's really slow. Um, or, or using, um, a cheap, a cheap server, um, cheap hosting that it just really can't, it can't perform at its, at its best. Um, we definitely see lots of cases where people have installed, you know, 20 upwards plugins and they're just loading so many scripts and they're not necessary. Um, particularly when the scripts are at fairly simple, um, kind of pieces of code that don't need to be as a plugin. Um, but it, it often comes down to it's ease of use. It's easy to install a plugin and, um, and kind of get things running through, through that without having the technical know-how. Um, obviously, it can, it can hinder. And I think that that's one of the downsides that, that WooCommerce as a brand sees, um, but is, is largely unavoidable. Yeah, that was, a, that was a key question I had around performance because I, I completely agree with that. Word, WordPress is often perceived as a really slow solution, but it's pretty much down to implementation most of the time. And, and I mean, I know I've implemented WordPress sites and I'm not a technical person. I just put a content site together, but I'm not fine-tuning it. Therefore, it's slow. And developers come in and improve it for me, which is how it should be. Um, the thing I'm interested in, Woo, is so basically... Yeah, as an agency, if you're building a Woo site or something, you're you're taking um, the Woo module plugin, but you're you're managing and hosting all that code. That Woo aren't providing any any um, SaaS based stuff, are they? It's you're taking it and installing it on servers somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, then that makes sense. And so the quality of the the uh, hosting environment that you've set up and the servers that you're using and and all of that infrastructure is going to determine to a large part the performance. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, I think it's with, with any site, obviously you want it to run as, as fast and as smoothly as possible. Um, and to do that, you need to have a fairly decent server that's not got thousands and thousands of other websites on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And as, as we know, of course, you know, there's no doubt that there's a direct relationship between the speed of a site and the performance of it in terms of sales, checkout performance, you know, customer expectations, and so on. Um, 
But what, what, I guess what I would say and add to that is natively, if you install WooCommerce, if you had no other plugins on the site and you install WooCommerce, that doesn't make, make it quick. Like, I, I, I guess the one thing that's a little bit frustrating about it is the sense that it's not quick out of the box. You have to configure it to make it so. You have to think about database caching. And as you know, Kim has already alluded to, the whole thing about stripping back your CSS if it's unused and so on and so on and so on. I don't want people to believe that even if they just use bare minimum plugins, um, it's going to be automatically fast. It's one of those things where you have to you have to know what you're doing, but equally, you can still set up an e-commerce store without knowing what you're doing. And I think that's the danger. So it's, it's, it's hugely available to many people with any different um, expertise. You know, if you're not a developer, but you can install a basic run of WordPress or you've got a friend that can do that for you, you can absolutely go away, download the WooCommerce plugin, install it, add a couple of products. And within, you know, before you know it, you're, you're selling stuff, collecting payment via PayPal. But if you want to do this properly and you have a, a proper business and, you know, um, you want to take this seriously, then this is probably where you either are a developer and you have those skills, those know-how, or you want to work with an agency where they can help you to, to implement the correct things, the right plugins, or build it for you bespoke um, and make it fast, make it uh, as, as, as quick and as clean as, as possible, really. So, yeah, I think anything goes, um, but it has the ability to be really fast, but out of the box, typically it's not always the case. That makes sense. Um, so on to security. So I guess one of the big kind of things that people associate with WordPress is security, potential security issues. Um, like I guess like how good can WooCommerce be from a security perspective? And what are some of the kind of best practices that you should have in place to prevent any kind of issues or vulnerabilities? So the biggest thing for me is that um, the plugins and the themes and WordPress core itself need to be updated. Um, that's often, if I've ever seen a website that's been hacked to WordPress site, it's always because the, the, the theme or the plugins are outdated. Um, and because it's open source, obviously it means that everybody has access to it. Everybody's got copies, so they can find a, a backdoor, um, which is why regular patches are, are released. Um, I do find um, that, that WooCommerce and WordPress are both very secure. The only time that it gets let down is when is when that maintenance isn't done. Um, but saying that, I mean, I've seen sites that are six years old and have, have never been hacked, and but have also never been updated. So <laughs> um, it's they it's still a very secure platform. Um, but like anything, you know, it needs to be it needs to be kept up to date. Websites are living, breathing entities that exist with lots of moving parts. And they need they need some yeah, TLC, yeah. just like my yeah. hair at the moment, <laughs> which yeah. is getting ever bigger. At least you've got some to look after. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's um, that. It's very similar to Magenta, I guess. Like um, it can be totally secure. It just yeah. needs to be kind of maintained properly. Um, I guess, and then on to SEO as well, so moving around a little bit. Um, how, how strong can WooCommerce be from an SEO perspective? So kind of what's the native setup like from a technical perspective? And then what are some of the things that need to be uh, kind of optimized around? Yeah, so it, it kind of falls into that same uh, horrible cliche. It depends, right? So um, what I will definitely say is uh, as a bare bones product, then WooCommerce from an SEO point of view makes me very happy so if a client comes to me and says look i've got a woocommerce store i need some seo help then i'm like awesome i can absolutely help you and i haven't really got to worry about limitations to the platform so 
just like with the design, the speed, the security, anything goes. You can access and tweak and amend and add anything that you want to within WordPress's core. So robots.txt, for example, nice and easy to manipulate. If you want to build rules around your faceted URLs, um, internal search queries, whatever. But the point is, it is entirely um, in, your, in your remit to make it as, as good or as, or as bad as possible. Um, but it's, it's, it's great in the sense that it plays really nicely with some of the world's largest um, WordPress SEO plugins. So Yoast being one, all-in-one SEO being another. Um, you can really build some nice proper category URLs and get a really good internal structure together. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoy using it from an SEO point of view. And it, it's easy to use, it's easy to manipulate. And it can, from an SEO point of view, be hugely scalable as well. But what I will say is, again, out of the box, it's not necessarily as clean as what it could be. And there's things you absolutely need to do to prevent your SEO kind of going AWOL from day dot. Um, so it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, if we compared it to, say, Shopify, for example, it was going to happen. We're on a, we're on a WooCommerce call. It's like the, the number one <laughs> most compared. Drop uh, the bomb. You drop the bomb. <laughs> exactly. But it's, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I've got a Shopify site, can you help? whether that's regular Shopify or Shopify Plus, and someone else said to me, hey, I've got a WooCommerce site, can you help? Then my, my bias is to absolutely go towards WooCommerce because the answer is, yes, I can help. I haven't got any limitations. I can do whatever the heck I want in regards to making sure that that client gets the, the growth that they need. And Shopify is a whole nother topic, but it's so much more difficult to make those changes. And I think that's the real big difference between those two platforms. Yeah, because the applications. Well, uh, uh, one interesting area I think to help clarify if people aren't used to this SEO at more technical level platforms is, I find URL schemas is normally a good way to clarify this. What have you found the benefits then with, with Woo in terms of how you can structure different types of URLs, like product list pages, product details pages, control um, how they build, how they look, how they index? I mean, is that an area where WooCommerce gives you that flexibility you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and they're really easy to change as well, which is kind of good and dangerous. Because of course, if, you're, <laughs> if, you, if you've got an existing website, which has, you know, a couple thousand products on, it's got doing well in, in search engine, it's got a couple thousand backlinks, and then you go away and change one setting, it could completely yeah. ruin your, your, your week, right? Like it's going to destroy things. But again, think about it from the opposite way. It means it's simple. It's easy for me to go away and deliver change for clients. It means it's, it's more cost effective. More people are likely to say yes. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of specifically answer your question, if you wanted a URL structure that had, um, for products, didn't have the category URL in or had, you know, product name slash product ID, for example, absolutely, yeah. you can do whatever the heck you want. Um, if you wanted certain things to be included and excluded in parameters, uh, adding filters, um, allowing filters to be selected multiply, how you want your search URLs to, to look and behave and be indexed or not, all of this stuff is completely down to the um to the user to, to whatever it is the platform is and i guess to finally add if there's something you can't do either through a plugin through woocommerce itself then you can guarantee there's going to be a developer out there who's built a solution and worst cases there's going to be a developer out there who can build what it is that you're looking for um really really easily so it, it talks about that whole wordpress network of almost like infinite developers right whatever you need there's probably someone out there who can build it or has done it for you already. So that kind of leads me on to, to uh, another question I've got around features. So uh, coming back to the point we made earlier before we start this episode about no platform is ever 100% perfect. 
so it sounds like some of the areas are really good, like the SEO flexibility and capability. What do you find on the other side? What features that e-commerce teams want from an e-commerce platform that Woo doesn't doesn't have natively and requires like third-party apps or integrations? What, what are those key areas that aren't there yet? I think it's a really good question. Um, I think the Yoast that Luke's already mentioned, um, I think most sites are installed with, with that now. Um, the two things that we find the most, the most common is having an extended search. Um, inherently, the, the WooCommerce search is not always great, um, same as the WordPress search. Um, so having a proper, a proper search functionality is, is definitely something that we would always advocate um, extending. Um, and the other thing, and this is probably just based on recent experiences, but we're, we're getting um, more and more inquiries for WooCommerce platforms to have trade prices for B2B. Um, the ability for users to, to display two different prices. Um, we're tending to find that, that that's becoming more popular and that people want to use WooCommerce for, for, for kind of the trade platform as well so that they can sell uh, at obviously reduced rates once the user's logged in. Um, I think that that probably takes it perhaps a step too far for what WooCommerce was intended for, but at the moment, that's certainly a lot of the inquiries that we're, we're getting. Yeah, that's, that's actually um, really interesting because exactly the same sort of level of inquiry there is um, price levels, right? So you've kind of got your list price, if you like, and then different tiers of, of trade. Um, and weirdly enough, from what I've just noticed, and again, I could be wrong, I haven't looked at it in any detail, but WooCommerce have just released a plugin precisely for that. So you can have different user permissions with different prices, um, whether that price is, is fixed in terms of just the numeric value or a percentage increase or decrease depending on the user access you've been given or how you register or whatever. But it looks to be one huge plugin. It's not cheap. I think it's close to a couple hundred quid. But, um, you know, if it, that is that might be something that's native to say something like Magento or, or something much broader like Shopify Plus maybe. But of course, you're then talking um, monetary wise, you know, 200 quid versus a Magento uh, paid subscription or, you know, a, a Shopify plus subscription that's normally typically six figures a year or something like that. So to get that level of um, flexibility is brilliant. But I think other examples of things that aren't necessarily there, or at least the last time I um, jumped into the platform and was asked this question, is being able to bridge the gap between bricks and mortar stores and selling online. Um, so Shopify have this out of the box with this Shopify POS product, which is just literally a, something you pay for on a retainer. But I guess loads of businesses have, um, especially right now, they want to get online to, to, to kind of, you know, fill that gap in high street sales that they're losing out on. But they also have an inventory elsewhere as well that they may, may sell through. So even if it's like eBay and Amazon and then a retail store. So I've personally not come across in a while a really solid um, almost official plugin that works and plays really nicely with WooCommerce in that sense. But there's many other um, products and I guess uh, e-commerce CMSs that do that. As I said, Shopify does, Magento I know does, of course, um, and, and so on and so forth. So that's where I think things start to get a little bit cloudy, but it's always improving, right? Yeah, I think that's the reality. No platform can ever cover everything because they, they go for a particular market focus and then they pivot and adapt as the market expands. But yeah, I think that's really, it's really interesting to hear that because this is the whole point is to try and get across transparency to people where, where things are great and where there might be gaps based on their business model. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also think there's a lot of benefit in like uh, not having too much in the platform as well. And like, that's a good example. And like, even like with Shopify and Magento, like people like we've never, or I've never really seen it work amazingly well when you're managing like marketplace orders and product and everything else from the e-com platform. So I think like, one of the things I like about WooCommerce and we've got a client and I was really surprised about, and I don't know too much about WooCommerce, but I was really surprised at how well it had scaled for them. And they've got kind of multiple stores. Um, they do multi-currency with some of the stores with fixed price lists. They do a lot of like com- complex promotions and things like that. Um, but it's really lightweight. And then they've got a lot of stuff that they've essentially just taken out of the platform. And it actually works really well. And I think that's quite a good approach um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so my next question um so in terms of like the ecosystem around uh woocommerce um so outside of agencies so more on kind of the technology partners um like how and you talked a bit there about some plugins like like one of the things with shopify and magento i guess in particular is the ecosystem and like all of the third parties around the platform so you talked about um search as a good example um and like, are there kind of third parties, like different SaaS providers or different plugin developers um, to kind of improve different areas? And, and how is that kind of, how does that look? And then also how is that kind of developing? It's a really good question. Um, so I don't think that WooCommerce or WordPress really offer a partnership program the same as um, Shopify. Um, but certainly there are definitely developers um, that, uh, that you can trust and that you know will provide a plugin that, that works and is tested and has, is well supported. Um, I think from WordPress's point of view, Automatic was a development company um, and they developed Jetpack. Uh, Automatic obviously is now owned by WordPress. Um, with, with WooCommerce, actually a lot of the plugins, if we use a plugin, we purchase directly from WooCommerce um, because yeah. they're yeah. tried and tested. The quality of work is is good. Um, I, obviously, as we've said, it's open source, so anybody can develop anything for it. And I think that that's that is always where it opens it opens up security issues for for a start. You don't know who's developed it. Uh, you don't know how good their coding skills are, particularly if it's a free plugin. Um, I think that's where I would always look to work with a plugin that has got loads of really good reviews. Um, and has kind of built a brand around what they've produced. Yoast is, is a classic example of that. Um, the way that it has, it has grown, um, it offers different tiers of subscriptions. Obviously, the free version is, is, is really good. You can pay for a version as well, which offers even further um, kind of tools and, and options. Um, but it, it always comes down to what experience are you or anybody else has had with, with plugins and whether or not they trust them. Um, and I think that's probably a, another, um, can be yeah, a, a yeah. bit of a hole for people who are kind of new to the, to the area that they don't know what to, to trust or use. Yeah, yeah that's really so, good. Um, Sorry, Luke. It's a really interesting one. Yeah, because of course, Yoast, I, I don't know if anyone's um, heard it in, in the recent news, right? Um, and John Alderson, if he's listening to this, he's gone absolutely ah. Batman. But what I will say is they had a bit of a, um, a whoops moment not so long ago, which is, you know, a plugin that's trusted by millions of, of WordPress sites uh, had a weird bug where it just started magically de-indexing many people's websites. I think it adjusted the robots.txt file. Um, so even, even the enterprise, even the really kind of big, the good guys can get it wrong sometimes. But 
that is the world of open source. I think as long as you've got, I'd say contingency, but as long as you've got your checks in place, you know, you've got to make sure that if you've, you've been attacked via brute force, you've got something happening in your, uh, in your dashboards to let you know that these things are happening. Like just building it and leaving it is, is dangerous. Um, but I guess what's kind of happened to, um, we, we spoke about site search a little while ago, and it's something I'm, I'm hugely passionate about. And just like in the world of fintech, where everything's kind of gone uh, AWOL in the sense that all the banks have just kind of gone, right, we need to go and compete. You've got Monzo, you've got Starling, you've got all these kind of new, cool, super shiny banks coming out. The same sort of thing has, has almost happened with site search a few years ago. So it used to be a, a huge monopoly between the likes of SLI. Um, and these big enterprise, really good, but these big enterprise e-commerce site search engines. But now we've got people like DoFinder um, and FactFinder who are just popping up and offering these really powerful um, enterprise-esque site searches for like a couple hundred quid a month. Um, and they have WordPress plugins. So DoFinder is something that I believe costs about a hundred pounds a month. It's got your product recommendations. It's got um, your suggestions, your personalization, your AI, your, everything that you'd expect from a really powerful um, site search system that you can just go away, have a subscription for, and just bolt it into your WordPress site. Um, so no longer you're in a situation where you need to go in and sign eye-watering checks and, and contracts to get that level of, of experience. Um, and that's what I think is really quite powerful about WordPress. It's one of those things, isn't it? If you install WooCommerce and leave it, Yes, you can sell online, but the chances are that's just not good enough. Um, and I guess the analogy I like to use to kind of help people to visualize the differences is I, I believe that WordPress and WooCommerce um, is just like a load of Lego bricks. So someone's given you a set and told you to go away and build whatever the heck you want. Shopify um, is more of a, a pre-defined kit. So yeah, you've got your Lego set, you've got your wheels and everything else, but you can only build the thing that they've asked you to build. Um, WooCommerce can be whatever the hell you want. And that goes either way. It can be terrible or it can be absolutely fantastic. The, the, the choice is yours. Um, but the thing that I love about it is it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and spend the big bucks to get a really good website. Um, and that's what I think I absolutely love about WooCommerce. Yeah, that makes sense. And some really good points in there. Um, and I guess like following on from that, why from a development perspective, and this might be one for you, Kim, but also for you, Luke, um, like why do developers like working with Woo? Um, and what do you think kind of makes it stand out for your developers um, instead of some of the other platforms on the market? Um, so I think that it's because it's, um, it's fairly well structured. So it means that it's, it's easier to build plugins in um, the framework exists, particularly with uh, Gutenberg, the new, oh, it's not quite so new anymore, um, but it's easy to create the blocks. Um, you can style and create content in any way that, that you want. It's stable um, and it's, it's PHP, which is obviously a favorite amongst, amongst most um, developers. Obviously the downside of that is that PHP is one of the easier languages to learn. Um, but I think, yeah, generally it's, um, it's the ease at which you can, you can build and extend um, and then obviously kind of go through debug issues. It's, it's, um, I think it's enjoyable because you can kind of see things taking shape fairly quickly, um, with it when, whenever kind of developing onto it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a, that's a, the, the poignant example of why it's adored by so many people. Um, it, I think it just goes back to some of the earlier points you've made. It's open source. 
Um, you will never be without a development resource. Like you Google or you, you know, you speak, you put a tweet out, a LinkedIn request, there's going to be a bunch of people who are good that can go away and build what you need. Um, but I guess one thing we've, we've certainly spoken about so far, and maybe it's just my, my cognitive bias at the minute, but we spoke very much about physical products, right? So people kind of going onto your WooCommerce store, ordering something and it being delivered from a warehouse or from your bedroom or whatever it is. Um, but WooCommerce is also really good at digital products as well and non-tangible items. So if you're selling license keys, um, you know, contracts, um, certificates, whatever it is, then it, it, it's really easy to go away and sell these things with just a couple of clicks, a plug-in, spend some money, get it in, configure it, and it's good to go. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculously powerful. Whatever you need, um, however bespoke it is, there's probably someone who can build it for you. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It, it definitely comes across as, as flexibility, which I think suits a lot of uh, businesses rather than being locked into a specific way of doing things. Uh, what about the, the other side of it? What, what's frustrated um, like developers or, or, or businesses about working with Woo, what are the areas where people think, I wish it could do this a bit better? Uh, and, you know, and are there plans in there, you know, uh, coming to address some of those areas? I think it's the checkout. The checkout can be quite slow and cumbersome. There can be lots of fields. And from a user experience point of view, it's quite daunting. Um, so we tend to do more work on the checkout pages than, than kind of the template that WooCommerce comes with. Um, I think, you know, when you compare Shopify to WooCommerce, I think that's where Shopify have got it right. I think that their checkout is much smoother. Um, it's handled better on mobile versions, my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that for us, that's always one of the first things that we will look at um, is, is trying to make sure that we can really make sure the checkout is is as user friendly as, as possible and that there isn't loads of field inputs and, and data entry. Um, I think that would probably be our first first port call. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. Sorry. I think the, the checkout, yeah, I'm I'm with you hundred percent. That's kind of the first thing in the back of my mind is the checkout. It's it's it hasn't changed in ages. It's like the Porsche's version of a checkout. Like it just doesn't change. They tweak it a little bit and themes can change colours and, and so on. But yeah, 100% um, aligned with Kim in that sense that um, that it is, it's not great. It's it's multi-step. You can't tweak it so much. And I'm not, again, I'm not a developer, so I haven't had too much experience in terms of completely destroying and rebuilding a, a WooCommerce checkout and, and how possible that is. Um, but I think that's that's definitely you know the most important part of any any uh, of any e-commerce model is is the checkout and how easy that is. Um, but I think one thing that can certainly help just to kind of jump back on a question we, we spoke about a little while ago. So we spoke about, you know, techno technology part partners and stuff like that. Like, I guess what's really powerful with stuff like this is you can go away and put in things like Klaviyo. So I know Klaviyo is like a hugely popular um, email slash e-commerce 360, if you like, um, system. Building a mailing list for, for MailChimp and all these kind of popular things are absolutely possible um, with WooCommerce and often have extensions ready built and, and ready made. Um, but yes, some of the things I certainly don't like, um, I think once you're a customer, so if you've registered for an account, you go to the My Account area to review your orders, again, that's stale. Um, it always looks the same. You know you run a WooCommerce site. And, and <laughs> in, in some ways, it's also guilty. Shopify can also be the same, although their checkout is cleaner um, and it's more attractive. And yes, it's easier to use on mobile. 
um, you will always know when you're on a Shopify site because they always look the same. So having this creative freedom or allowing you to go and build what you want, I think is what's missing from, from these platforms. Um, and I think that's probably the missing link. Whenever that happens, however that happens, I don't know, but I'd love to see some uh, creative flow happening there. Yeah, no, definitely out of the box, you can't do a huge amount to the WooCommerce template for the checkout. Um, it's always going to be a developer's responsibility. Um, but this leads me on to the bit that I can't, this is a bit I can't get my head around. It's probably because I'm just a bit slow generally. Um, but the, the, you talked about it earlier, I think both of you referenced it, the, uh, the headless side. But my understanding of it as it's a kind of essentially like a, a module that plugs into WordPress. How does that work? So if it's truly headless, wouldn't that mean that you don't need to use WordPress? Or do you have to use WordPress but in a headless setup? That's a bit I'm trying to get my head around um, in terms of how that part works from a, a flexibility. Yeah, so technically it is, it is possible. Um, <laughs> you, can, um, you can decouple part of the application, um, but it's, it's not easy and it's not easy because sometimes the themes are older tech. Um, and so I think that's where the, the kind of the issues will, will lie. So you could attach a different front end and use WooCommerce as a back end. Um, but it, it, it's about um, making sure that the technology is on the same level. Uh, and some of WordPress and some of WooCommerce can be quite old. And I think that's where the discrepancies lie. And is, yeah. is anyone doing it really smartly through Headless at the moment? Or is this just a new... Uh, capability that Woo's released that hasn't yet got traction? Um, there are people doing it. I mean, we, we were contacted by a, a company um, whose site we have just rebuilt on WooCommerce, but they'd got quite a convoluted um, setup. They were using WordPress and um, Shopify. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I don't know how they managed to create it, but yeah, I think um, I think it would probably depend on whether or not you wanted to create a completely bespoke, unique front-end yeah. uh, experience. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it done uh, myself in, in the wild in, in a truly kind of headless application with a uh, almost like a, a, you know, an entirely detachable face of a, of a WooCommerce installation. Um, I, I would imagine it's possible just because it, I've never really seen anyone say no <laughs> in terms yeah. of what, what WooCommerce can do, but maybe it's a case of it's just not efficient to do so. Um, or in the sense that, you know, if you think about how WordPress works or WooCommerce works, it is essentially a plugin. Um, so my thinking here is if you built a headless, and this is just purely spitballing here, but if you built a headless, a properly headless front end, um, and you had, you know, a bunch of plugins, Yoast, WooCommerce, uh, Klaviyo, et cetera, et cetera, then you, you know, how would that work in regards to, to headless? How would that work? Can they spit out the APIs and the JSON output well enough? For you to justify doing it the answer is i don't know but um i guess what what i'll try and do is is, is find something and if we can put something in the show notes then uh yeah but I, i've no idea but I'd, I'd love to see it done um in terms of the checkout just going back to the checkout so we so that client that i mentioned used Klarna checkout with um uh their woocommerce implementation and as much as that has its own issues um it worked quite well and it supported like their multiple currencies and everything else do many people use third-party checkouts or does that like concept exist because i know that's kind of a bit of a trend in magento people are going down almost like the headless checkout route at the moment and building different solutions around it and also um there's kind of different providers in that space as well like is that is that kind of a thing with woocommerce 
It's a good question. Um, I, from personal experience, no, I think that the, the payment gateway is always going to connect to um, WooCommerce. I mean, you might be transferred to a different site, PayPal, SagePay, um, but it's always going to come back into WooCommerce. I don't know if you've had any other experiences, Luke. No, I haven't. Um, I, I think because it already has the checkout there, and in order for the WooCommerce admin, if you like, to register the transaction, I imagine it needs to go through their checkout and, and send their pingbacks and everything else. Um, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but I, again, I, I haven't really seen it done besides, as, as Kim said, the PayPal pop-ups and then going off there and coming back. Um, but actually, on the on the point of checkouts, or this is slightly totally unrelated, um, there's a whole new concept of checkout that I really kind of like the look of at the moment. Um, and I'm looking to see how that works with, with WooCommerce and everybody else. It's called Fast, um, Fast Checkout. And I think the idea of it is it's like PayPal, um, but you haven't got to go through all the faff of logging in every single time. You just log in once, almost like kind of Google Pay or, or, um, or Apple Pay. You register once, you add your card, and then you go to a verified fast merchant and you just press one button and you've paid, um, which I think is really quite powerful. And I'd love to see how that develops. But to, to answer your, uh, your question specifically on, um, on an alternative checkout for WooCommerce, no, I've not seen that been done before. Okay. Yeah, that um, that far. I was looking at that fast um, solution as well. The guy's at Shopify, isn't it? And like, it seems to be quite yeah. similar to Shopify. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued yeah. by that. Um, Totem was the example with that uses a third party checkout. By the way, if you want to have a look at it. Awesome. Well, I think the, um, the the fast checkout is is fascinating, and I think we're very um, led by Amazon. <laughs> One click yeah. checkout, which is dangerous, yeah. Yeah. you know, after a, a night out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> or even more dangerous on lockdown, where everyone's on yeah. clicking buttons. <laughs> yeah, you literally. I'm sitting on my wallet. Like I've got to a new level of laser now. I think I'm sitting on my wallet, and I'm now thinking, I actually can't be asked to lift my bum cheek off the chair to get my wallet out. <laughs> I'd rather just go to Amazon and pay four quid more and just hit pay with Amazon or something. It's ridiculous. Um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a mess and I just need to go outside. No comment, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for when we can get back in the pub. Um, I've got I, I've got one final question I'd, I'd like to ask. It's the it's the killer final question. It's around uh, total cost of ownership because you're saying that it's that it's, uh, it's open source. It's a license free, which obviously is really appealing. The same way that Magento um, open source is massively appealing compared to the commerce licensing. Uh, but what what are the cost of businesses face? So what are the costs typically come into a project like this that people need to think about um, when you've got a platform that isn't, say, a SaaS like Shopify, which has more stuff built into the application? So I think it's, for me, mainly going to be on the maintenance and the upkeep afterwards um, because that is the key to security. Um, so making sure that you've got a good maintenance package, um, a team of, of specialist developers who are there ready to support if something goes if something goes wrong or an update causes a problem. Um, you know, a lot of the time the e-commerce platform is is source of income. So if it goes if it goes down, you want to make sure you've got the support there there afterwards. Um, I think that's for me probably one of the most important things. I don't I don't think that um, kind of the other aspects of it is the development side and making sure that there is budget or scope to to keep developing and keep building we use a, a brilliant piece of um kit called full story 
uh, and it's free to free to download. Um, you can watch people. Use, it's a bit it's a bit um, stalkerish, but you can watch people on your website, um, and it means that you can track how they're kind of navigating around the website what pages are they using how far are they scrolling and with all of that data you can really build a bigger picture of how people are, in, are interacting and then it's a process of kind of analyzing and iterating and just continually improving i think the biggest misconception is that just because you've built a website doesn't mean to say that everybody's going to come um, it, it takes you know a lot of a lot of work to keep improving and also to drive the traffic i think the other aspect is is being able to um, drive traffic and, and keep feeding that that funnel. Yeah, the, the age-old uh, misconception that build it and they will come as yeah. opposed to yeah. build it and give them a bloody good reason to come. Otherwise, there's a million other options. Exactly. Unless you yeah. happen to have the most unique product in the world where nobody else sells it, which would be marvellous. But then if nobody knows the site's there, then... <laughs> there, yeah. This is true. Unless you're selling money for half price, I don't think anyone's going to be interested immediately, you know. So, Luke, especially um, for you, money for half price today. Let me know how much you want. Yeah, yeah, no problem, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's cool. That's answered the key question for me. Paul, was there anything else that you wanted to? Um... No, I think, I think that's really good. Like, we covered some really good points. Um, yeah, really detailed. Yeah, really interesting. Um, amazing. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks uh, Luke and Kim for joining us. Really appreciate it. If people want to get hold of you and ask more questions or find out a bit more about what you do, what's the best way to get hold of you? Luke, do you want to go? <laughs> oh, pure. Literally, no one cares. Um, no, okay, so um, yeah, Luke Carthy, Google me, unique name. Um, there's not too many of me about, so uh, I think there's me and, and, and one sort of 12-year-old who are fighting for that top spot on Google, um, but we should be okay. So yeah, Twitter, at Luke Carthy, LukeCarthy.com, um, basically anything with my name in. Um, and yeah, you'll find me online somewhere. Cool, thank you. How about you, Kim? Uh, yeah, then for me, if you um, try and find me on LinkedIn, uh, Kim Leary, the company name is Squibble, S-Q-U-I-B-B-L-E. Put that into Google, we'll come up. Um, if, if anybody does want any support, then I'm more than happy to, to kind of offer a um, free 30-minute consultation call. Uh, at this point, happy to help anybody with any tech questions or kind of if anybody wants to bounce any ideas around, more than happy to, to support and, and help there. Amazing. That's incredibly kind of you. Um, thanks. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned loads of stuff as well. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day.